Chinese Medicine, The Web That Has No Weaver, page 283. Chapter 9 Chinese Medicine as an Art. So far, this book has presented a basic step by step logic of Chinese medicine. We have examined the process of perceiving patterns in the myriad of events, feelings, sensibilities, needs, and intentions that make up a human life. Bits and pieces have been put together in an ever refined image of yin and yang. This method, putting the stones, mountains, mist, and pebbles of human life into a clinical image, is a learning method that the tradition uses to train novice physicians. The tradition expects a new physician to become proficient in this method with the com- commitment and effort of a lifetime of practice, study, and reflection. But, in fact, underneath this method is a counter process, an in opposition to a young method. This process has to do with the dialectic, be- dialectic between whole and part, another level of yin and yang. This parallel undercurrent is the artistry of Chinese medicine as opposed to its knowledge. It's a method that allows the clinical landscape to be more than a metaphor and for the Chinese physician to claim that his or her work imitates that of the artist. For both the Chinese artist and the clinician, the landscape is dedicated to the expression of the inner spirit instead of physical verisimilitude. And that painting should reflect a spontaneous and instantaneous, uh, instant, instantaneous uh, flow of the brush. A landscape needs to capture an essence, to suggest more than the merely visible and open up to the life of the spirit. This artistic method of East Asian medicine manifests on multiple and continuous levels. For convenience, the chapter divides this artistry into three stages. Each progressive level of the dialectic between whole and part reveals a deeper layer of an ancient art whose mastery is one of the ultimate goals of the dedicated East Asian vision. Each level of the dialectic also embodies a unique aspect of the vision's response in the clinical encounter. We have already touched on the first level of the dialectic. Chinese medicine is never addition, gathering the parts, for example, complaints, signs, and symptoms to make a whole. The parts never constitute a whole. In fact, the whole determines the components, context governs. In the clinical landscape, the reality of the thing only exists and thus only manifests itself. In the totality, through the force of propensity, the inherent yin yang dynamic uh, that links its various elements in the whole. No component of the pattern can be isolated. No piece has an ontological significance independent of the entire environment. A simple example may be helpful. Consider a patient with dry eyes. In chapter 6 and chapter 8, We have said that this sign or complaint is usually part of a deficient liver blood or in condition. The reason for the association is, in part, the appearance of the symptom, lack of moisture, and in part because 
and the cumulative clinical experience of Chinese physicians. Dry eyes often are accompanied by the signs of deficient blood,、uh, that is,、uh, thin pulse, pale tongue, poor self esteem, or deficient in,、uh, which is thin, rapid pulse, reddish tongue, self deprecation. This common association, however, is not always accurate. If the signs accompanying dry eyes were to point to aspects of excess, Uh, for example, a strong pulse and hostility, the complaint would probably be seen as part of a pattern of liver fire or arrogant liver yang ascending. Dry eyes could also be part of a deficient kidney end pattern if a, a different set of signs,、uh, which is rapid, frail pulse and inordinate fear, were present. It's possible for dry eyes to be understood as part of a pattern of heat violating the lungs if accompanying signs included acute onset, a cough, and rapid floating pulse. Less typical possibilities would be various deficient qi or deficient yang patterns, which should have wet complaints. In these cases, a typical dryness in the eyes would be interpreted as qi or yang unable to raise water. The configuration stamps the fragment. Sometimes, aspects of multiple patterns merge. In fact, any pattern or combination could have the complaint of dry eyes. The energetic significance of dry eyes is ultimately infused by landscape. All the other chapters have already taken this level of artistry into account. Without it, a diagnosis or clinical assessment of the human landscape would not be possible. The second level of the East Asian dialectic of whole and part has to do with the fact that there is no ultimate separation between whole and part. The whole imprints on each single unit of the clinical landscape. What the sinologist Francois Joelian has said about Chinese painting also applies to the clinical landscape. It should be remembered that, according to Chinese physics, every element in the landscape, from the great mountain ridges to the individual tree or rock, owes its creation solely to the accumulation of cosmic energy and is constantly flooded by this same energy. In the clinical landscape, the Chinese vision can see the whole in any part. At this level of artistry, the concern is particularity. A truly adept physician can diagnose from almost any single piece in the human configuration. In the finest shading of the particular emotional ambience, or tongue, or manner of walking, or pulse, the master physician can discern a pattern. Because the whole leaves its characteristic mark on each part. Again, a simple example may be helpful. A particular pattern should produce a distinct cough. A pattern of cold wind invading the lungs, for example, would probably be associated with a loud, cool cough. A hot wind pattern would manifest as an agitated cough with a drier sound. And there would be difficulty in coughing up、uh, sputum. Mucus obstructing the lungs would produce a full, high pitched, watery sounds. 
less forceful than cold wind, with a lot of sputum. The cuff of a deficient lung end pattern would be rapsy, raspy, weak, and frail. The kidneys not grasping the chi would produce a short, weak cough with some gurgling or wheezing. A liver invading the lungs cough would have a spurting, projective quality, with many coughs in a series and then a rest. A cough of congealed blood obstructing the chest would be weak and have a slushy texture. One could similarly diagnose a pattern of a cough from other th single signs such as pulse or tongue. The same sense of any detail being a reflection of the whole is true for any aspect of a person, even a single emotion. For example, fear is generally associated with the kidneys, but the whole configuration impacts and refines any detail. A fear from kidney yang might be associated with an inability to be decisive in relationships while the fear of kidney yin might be linked with a pattern of not being able to form stable relationships. Fear can be attached to other organs. The emotion of fear connected to the liver may hide behind an aggressive veneer, while spleen fear would be entwined in worry and ruminations. A hurt fear might be connected to clumsiness and confusion. The fear itself would probably, but not necessarily, be connected to the kidneys. The ability to detect such refined impressions takes a high level of skill, beyond the skill required by the first level. It was epitomized for me by an elderly Chinese doctor who was my first teacher of the tradition. After a new patient would call to make an appointment, there was no secretary. Dr. Hong would often tell me what acupuncture points or herb formula he was likely to use. The patient would not have necessarily even mentioned the problem. He gave me a look of patients uh, when I started quizzically. Only later did he tell me he could guess the energetic of the person by how he or she expect, accept, accepted, negotiated, or fused, uh, fused uh, during the exchange concerning appointment time. This second level of artistry, however, is not meant for the per performance of impressive diagnostic feats although sometimes it is helpful in a complex case. Its value lies in the way it sharpens the therapeutic response. The artistry of the first level, seeing how the whole shapes the part, is crude even with, art, uh, with, even with its artistry. It simplifies as its discerns. Its artistry is generic. The particularity of the second level the pieces reflect the whole, allows for additional refinement. Any fragment of the terrain actually needs a distinct assortment of herbs in various dosages and acupuncture points with various methods of stimulation. A treatment for a wind cold with a scratchy, a scratchy nose is slightly different from the treatment for wind cold with a horse throat or wind cold with a stiff neck. Indecisive fear, unstable fear, aggressive fear, 
ruminating fear and a confused fear may all relate to the kidneys, but each requires its own unique set of herbs and acupuncture points. The herbal pharmacopoeias and acupuncture manuals provide the information needed to select the appropriate treatment. Also, depending on the pattern and its details, the physician may have to deliberately moderate the quality of the therapeutic relationship. The particularity of the second level allows a matching of individual and a very precise science with specific and exact interventions in the context of all an overall pattern. Whatever one, details of level two can be diagnostic, but more critically, they guide the therapeutic response to the clinical landscape. The particularity of level two permits a concrete and nuanced treatment. The artistry of level two, which reflect the details of pieces of the landscape in an acupuncture or herbal treatment, can be very sophisticated and actually renders a portrait of a person. A good physician can read the herbal formula written for a patient by another experienced physician and easily describe the patient with a surprising amount of detail. If the diagnosis of level 1 is a title, the therapeutics is a short story. It encodes a person's complaint, the relative prominence of other signs and symptoms, the timing of events, the general emotional ambience of the person and possibly even a glimpse of the person's biography. The third level of the dialectic of whole and part is the most profound. Words are often inadequate to describe the process. The medical classics say that mastery takes a lifetime. The issues here are totality and immediacy. Level 1, which concerns how the whole shapes the parts and allows the diagnosis, and Level 2, which concerns how the whole can be seen in the parts and permits a unique combination of herbs or acupuncture points, are actually preludes. Level 3 is the ultimate refinement of the physician's art. It involves the possibility to intimately and intuitively apprehend the landscape in its entirety, opening it up to the infinity and the breath chi that gives life. This third level of artistry has to do with an intimate, intuitive, and immediate encounter of humanity. In the medical tradition, this level of artistry is called the penetrating divine illumination, Tong Ming. It is a Chinese medical tradition's attempt to mimic the artist and rid the landscape of all the weight of inessentials and restore it to the simple movement that gives it form and existence. It's an alchemical core of Indian medicine. The penetrating divine illumination is a prominent feature in the classical texts of the East Asian medical tradition. Modern books tend to gloss over its role because of resemblance to mystical or perceival-like phenomena. In the Asian Chibo, the physician who teaches the Yellow Emperor uses the penetrating divine illumination to penetrate the essence of the myriad of things and perceive as if 
the wind has blown the clouds away. Chibo tells the emperor that his own teacher, who by implication is the genuine master, exclusively relied on the penetrating divine illumination. In other places, the Nijin reverentially insists that this method is superior, is a spirit of medicine compared with the more linear and primitive forms of examining a patient. Other early texts echoed this refrain. In fact, that method is extensively praised in the few Chinese books that describe medicine that predate the Neijing. For example, Bianche, the legendary physician, says that although he knows of four methods of assessment and the method of taking the pulse, he does not bother with them. Your way of using techniques, uh, questioning and pulse taking, is like peeping through a tube to see the sky or looking for the pattern in things by peering through the crack. His art, it seems, is to discern the pattern instantaneously. He intuitively apprehended its general movement. So the physician, like the painter, must be inspired, must possess a a particularly sensitive consciousness so that he can unite in spirit with his landscape and, by exposing himself to it, and communicating with it, grasp in the stroke how the whole scene functions. In fact, Chibo and Bianche are expressing the necessary hidden implication of the Chinese medicine method and the dialectic of whole and part. If level one is true, one needs to apprehend the whole to interpret the pieces, and if level two is true, the whole infuses the parts, then Level 3 must also be true. The whole is always a palpable presence in the immediate encounter of patient-physician. In fact, the whole is the only thing that is fundamentally present. The penetrating divine illumination is a secret method buried within the fore-examination and pattern discernment that easily eludes the novice-physician. It can only be consciously grasped by the seasoned veteran. The penetrating divine illumination cannot be taught. It grows within the vision as the craft is honed. After a lifetime of practice using the simpler levels of knowing and artistry in Chinese medicine, it automatically and autonomously uh, reveals that it was always present. The poetic wholeness alone is real. Everything else was minor. Chu Dan Shi, the Cinnabar Creek master, says that this vision is the capacity of the sage. For the wizened practitioner, everything else is preliminary. All knowledge and art lives here. I first learned about this kind of vision from Dr. Hong, my first teacher, who would routinely gain his patients' confidence by casually bringing up details of their life that they had not even mentioned before. He just knew. His intuition had been refined in a crucible of experience that gave him capacities beyond what is ordinarily thought possible. 
but the point of the penetrating divine elimination has nothing to do with impressing patients or clinical theatrics. And it is much more than a knowledge that infuses the preliminary levels of art. While the encounter of level 1 allows for a diagnosis and level 2 allows for a nuanced formulation of herbs and acupuncture, it is level 3, the penetrating divine illumination, which allows for the mysterious transmutation at the core of the healing encounter. The penetrating divine illumination, even if it is hidden from the beginner's consciousness of a novice physician, is the very basis for the success of any treatment and clinical engagement. The penetrating divine illumination is not merely an intuitive knowing. It's a secret treatment, what wukum, called the medicine without form. The penetrating divine illumination is akin to the moment in the landscape painting that is a secret, particular point where the success of or failure of the painting is decided. In other words, as what every landscape painting depends on for itself for its life. The illumination is a core dialectic of healing. The point where receptivity, uh, which is in, automatically and instantaneously becomes transformation, which is yang. The moment of the penetrating divine illumination is the resonance of qi between the patient and the physician. Intimate knowing and profound witnessing effortlessly become the elixir for profound transmutation. Assessment and treatment, patient and doctor, in yin yang merge. Healing manifest. The penetrating divine illumination starts as an assessment and instant instantaneously becomes intervention. Intervention. The penetrating divine illumination is the magic of soul meeting soul, spirit reflecting spirit. The instantaneous. Uh, recognition necessarily initiates profound treatment. The immediate response of the physician in the clinical encounter, the words, posture, gestures, questions, attention, intention, genuineness, empathy, compassion, belief, and vision, deeply affect and resonate with the spirit of another human being. The divine penetrating, uh, divine penetrating illumination is the ultimate basis of healing. Chibo, the medical teacher in the Nigerian, admits that his sage teacher not only was not dependent, dependent on normal diagnostic method, but also had no use for routine therapeutic interventions such as herbs or acupuncture. His teacher, the symbolic art archetypal master that all physicians aspire toward, both new and treated exclusively by the penetrating divine illumination. The discernment of the penetrating divine illumination automatically moves the essence and transforms the chi. Intense communication and intimate recognition automatically resonate and affirm the integrity of a patient's chi and spirit. For the physician, using the penetrating divine illumination was the exclusive and highest artistic goal. Each generation of East Asian practitioners spoke about spoke of it. Shu Shu Wei, 
uh, an author of a major Song Dynasty medical compilation, cautioned his student that ultimately, to make the patient feel better before taking the medicine is the most direct method. Sun Chun, the leader of the 17th century's、uh, Korean medical delegation to China, said, the,、uh, said that the Chinese used a method of healing that begins even before the medicine reaches the mouth. Wu Zhu Tong, the famous Qing Dynasty physician, Said he relied on the method of Chibo's teacher when he encountered internal and complex illnesses. The divine penetrating illumination is the essence and wisdom of healing. Future generations of East Asian healers will undoubtedly aspire to practice this deepest mystery of their healing tradition. The penetrating divine illumination is the highest form of the yin and yang of healing. I used to watch it when I worked with my first teacher. Just from being and talking with Dr. Hong, most patients encountered within themselves a deepest depth of humanity, deeper than the difficulty or tragedy of any illness. Authenticity and integrity were experienced. The chi shifted. The spirit was touched. No matter how broken or isolated a person felt before the appointment, a meeting with uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Hong was an opportunity for both an expression and recognition of his or her most genuine humanity.